What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And back by very unpopular demand, it is Lara. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> oh, the, the queen has entered the building. <laughs> I mean, there was a reason why she's back, which we'll get into later on in the episode, once we get to the juicier meat of the episode. We need her very special expertise on a special subject. (laughs) (laughs) You're about demons. Anyway, so today's episode, we'll be talking about love is blind after the altar. And everything that's happened since then. I honestly feel like the social media has been more popping than the actual show in terms of tea and revelations about the cast members. Yeah, so I found out from sleuthing that After the Altar was actually filmed before the reunion. So a lot of like... This makes no sense. Exactly. So like that kind of makes a lot of the juicy details that happened off of the show. They didn't make it onto the show because like a lot of the stuff was discovered after the reunion. So I don't know why they would film after the reunion when they filmed the reunion afterwards. But yeah, so like... Yeah, there's a lot of details about what happened with Brennan and SK, which we'll get into. And I think in general, I think it's a good, um, since this fallout that's happened, it's good for us to, you know, flex our hindsight muscles and see like if there were things we should have paid more attention to with watching the show. Granted, this is reality TV show, so they cut it and show it a certain way and script it a certain way so that like they look a certain way. But I feel like there might have been some tells between Brennan and SK you know, and the rest of the rest of the <laughs> cast members that like maybe we could have picked up on that would have predicted the fallout. Yeah. Okay. So should we take Brennan and Alexa first, the so-called success story of the season? Because there's always one couple who seems to be a success story and then you just find out the rats in the cupboard after the fact. So obviously the bigger one, I guess, if you're not fully aware, was that shortly after the main series aired, a police report came out on the internet that alleged that Brennan had basically been arrested for domestic violence about three months before the show. Oh, that recently? Yeah, it was quite, it was like three months before the show, which was concerning because even though there wasn't a charge like, you know, leveled, but I do think, you know, due to basic safeguarding, that should have really taken him out of the running, personally. Yeah, and what it's described as is that he gets in an argument with this girl. I guess they were out at a, a bar as a woman he was allegedly dating, grabs her by the arm and like shoves her into the wall. So it's pretty serious. Yeah, and I think it was her mum who filed the report. So that came about. And then obviously there was that whole drama around Brennan, you know, trying to fit into Alexa's life. Her family are, you know, very rich, quite Jewish, and, you know, how they were going to navigate that as well. Then there was the axis that Brennan was almost like Alexa's attack dog, where if she disliked somebody, he would just be yapping at their heels as well. And that really annoyed me during the reunion a lot as well. Like, just basically turning the screw on people like Cole when it's like, dude, you've been arrested for DV. And at this point, you knew you've been arrested for DV. Like, it was such a pointless, like, such pointless beef. Like, Right, I'm going to be annoyed at you because my wife doesn't like you because her friend doesn't like you. Like, it's just like, how old are you? Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I get that vibe from Brennan. Like, he just seems like Alexa's attack dog. And it's like, 
he didn't seem to have any outward issue with any of the cast members until Alexa has an issue. It's made it seem like he was mad because he felt like uh, Cole was bullying Zenob for her weight. And that's the narrative that Zenob was spinning, that like Cole was allegedly bullying her for her weight. Oh, with the QE scene. There's a scene in After the Altar where Brennan pulls Cole aside and like it basically kind of explains his beef with him. Like, oh, we don't like the way you treated Zenob and like uh, bullying her for her weight and everything. And like Cole is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like Cole seems like really clueless. So I think... I don't know, man. Like, it's like on one hand, I'm like, I love when my significant other backs me up even when I'm dead ass wrong. But at the same time, like, I think in light of like the DV charges, like it's a little bit concerning. Like, is he just like a hothead, you know, like a person who will, you know, just turn on a dime, you know, without like a certain level head to assess the situation. That's what's concerning to me. And I thought it was like quite unnecessary, given that there were enough people who didn't like Cole. And for the same reason, and I wished that perhaps that there would, maybe Brennan could have been that one person who was trying to perhaps focus on some of the things that Cole did to try and be a better person or try to bridge the gap as opposed to like make it more uncomfortable for Cole to be around in that space. Because after the altar, Alexa's party, Cole was just by himself drinking like a lot of the time. And I'm just, I'm just sort of bumbling around trying to find a tribe and no one was really letting him in and it was just very odd yeah i don't know what it is about cole that like pisses him off so much like i mean he says things that are like i want to like address this because some people thought like i was defending him and like bartice i'm like kind of low-key defending myself at their same age like i had diarrhea in the mouth like that <laughs> and i didn't even like i was not really trying to hurt people's feelings like legit so like when i see that i sometimes feel like yeah he's immature he doesn't seem like he takes himself seriously. So he seems like he's surprised when other people are like actually hurt by the things he says. Right. He doesn't get it. He's sort of just like, I was saying to Lara before the call, like he reminds me of like one of those, like, I mean, the American equivalent would be like a jock, but those guys in sports societies at university who go out, get raved. And when their friends, they're an absolute dick, but when they're on their own, they're actually quite a nice person or they're more bearable. That's what Cole sort of reminds me of. And I think that it seems like he lacked tact and diplomacy, but I didn't get the impression that he was doing it out of malice, like some of the other men on the series were. Like They were behaving maliciously towards their partner. I didn't get that impression from him. It's not the same as like what SK apparently did to Raven. And what Bartice was saying to Nancy about other women and the way Matt was behaving towards Colleen. Like, and I suppose it's an indictment on the show when Cole seems to be, you know, taking into account Brennan's, you know, DV arrest, seems to be the least problematic on the show. That just goes to show just how low value the series is, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. And I did feel like at the reunion, Cole got an awful, awful edit. It was totally unfair just how they somehow managed to turn the screw entirely on him. When again, there were men there who were more problematic. Uh, Bartice, there was Matt. I mean, SK, we didn't know at the time, but even SK, to his defense, he was the only one who didn't seem to join in on the pylon and he was trying to console Cole. He was the only one that did that, but the rest just piled in. SK slightly tried to come across as a bit like holier than thou, like, oh, look at me, I'm Jesus Christ. Like, and it was all, you know, <laughs> all was revealed, wasn't it, at the end? 
I also think that they didn't go in as hard as the, on the other guys because the women held back except for either they didn't air it or the women were not nearly as like vindictive as like Zenob was. Like Zenob was legitimately scorched earth pissed at Cole. Yeah, she was hot. Which I have to say like 80% of it is like her insecurity issues that like it's Cole's a dick and he said things that were horrible. But at the same time, it's like I'm like you met this guy like eight weeks ago he shouldn't be able to like destroy your self-esteem like the review she used like this guy basically like turned her entire life upside down i'm like there's no way you have not known this person long enough for that to be the case it's like she didn't take any ownership of like her own feelings and like working on her own feelings you know it was great to hear that she was in therapy but it was almost like everything she'd experienced in her life before the show cole somehow through his like dance way of approaching things and how it you know and how like stupidly he talks managed to just embody all of the things that she might have ever felt that have been said in malice and have said to attack her by everyone in her life previously before that and it was like right i'm taking this out on you no totally and i actually think that would be the same thing with like alexa like i feel like they've been rejected by guys like cole before and it's just like that kind of nastiness built up. I mean, he's gone on record and so like he was very attracted to Zenob and like he never had a problem with her weight per se. Like, but again, like drinking and the diary of the mouth, you know? I didn't get the issue with the weight. I didn't understand that. I didn't know Zenob had an issue with her weight. Like she's even, okay, she's not as slim as Colleen, but she's still very, 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 very slim. Like, I don't know what the issue with her weight even was. What I didn't understand was the cutie situation. Because from what the edit at the end suggested, it suggested that even that Cole even went as far as saying, are you sure that's going to be enough? Do you want to eat more? Like it wasn't, I didn't get the impression. I understand that this was edited, but I didn't get the impression that Cole was trying to say, you eat too much. That's why you're the size you are. Like in the way that like Zenab was portraying that comment, I thought it was just taken wildly out of context. No, I mean, no, for sure. Because like even her mother... And when they did the house visit to visit Zenob's stepmother, like she even admitted that sometimes Zenob goes off the rails when she feels rejected, like subtly and nicely, because like, Cole's family didn't want to meet Zenob. And then like Zenob's stepmom was like, you know, stuff like that. She'll take it personally. She'll be like, oh, do they not want to meet me because I'm brown and et cetera. Like she has like, you know, she takes little bits of rejection because her self-esteem is quite fragile. And then like extrapolates it to extremes, right? And then that causes her to like hype herself up so much that she like lashes out and gets angry. It's not that like, it's not that Cole's not a douchebag and some people felt like we did, we were trying to go like easy on him, but it's just like what Zenob's issue is, is not like Cole is just one of many guys that's going to, she's going to be like, she, that's going to bring that out if she doesn't work on herself for that. And it's more like to hopefully help her go through her trauma. Because like when I think of like cruel, sadistic, horrible partners, Cole is like light work. So I'm like, you can't handle Cole. And to be honest, like there's way worse guys out there. So like he's just kind of a dummy with like occasionally foot and mouth syndrome, but he's not like overtly, he's not manipulative like SK or like malicious, like and vindictive like Brennan. Oh, I'm Bartiste. Bartiste is manipulative too. Yeah. Or vindictive or malicious like Brennan. So I'm like, I mean, just look at comparatively, like the other guys got off easy considering like how much worse they are as people than Cole is. And you're looking at Cole getting the worst of it because Zenob reacted the worst, even though like, I don't think Cole was nearly as bad as some of the other guys, clearly. Right? No, but I definitely feel he shouldn't have been on the show. Like he didn't seem to get the premise of it. Like love is blind. So commenting on looks and what you dated before, like 
why would you come out with that stuff? And also, who the hell, like, who are you trying to date here? He couldn't make out whether he wanted to date, like, prom queen, like, someone new, or his mum. Like, it was just really, like, why are you here? I just didn't get it from Cole. This is why I could never do reality TV show, because I know I would have one drink and be telling, like, everything. Because <laughs> I feel like when I watch that, I'm like, they were drinking at the pool all day, and he said, like, he, he said he thought Colleen was hot. And I'm like, I probably would have said that shit, like, if I thought someone else was hot. Not not even to be mean, but just to be like, oh, I think you're hot. Like, but I don't know. It's hard, because, like, I'm not defending him. I'm low-key defending myself and my behavior through that. (laughs) I feel like like it's totally understandable if you've been drinking and like, you know, you're in a vacation spot to like say your true feelings, which I guess clearly are hurtful. It's hurtful to people sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) So moving on that wait, we basically segued from Brennan and Alexa quite nicely to Collins and up. So Bartice and Nancy. I have to say though, Nancy's brother was like the star of the show for me. He reminded me of Steven when he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was like, so I had to miss a fucking tap. <laughs> <laughs> I loved her brothers. Like they were just like, they were the stars of the show for me. Cause I would be pissed. Like, imagine Waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that squint of, I want to kill you, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he kept saying, like, I told you I was sober, it's like, and he kept saying, I didn't want to be right. I was like, but you're secretly glad that you're I right. I didn't want to be right. I didn't want to be right. <laughs> but you're secretly glad that you're right. <laughs> yeah. I knew this guy wasn't no good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bartice and Nancy. Oh my gosh. Right. Where do we even, like, oh gosh, that was another mess as well. So I'm defending Nancy for like telling her family to go away because as a person who has like very overbearing family like that, they make every situation worse. So there are some people that were criticizing Nancy for being like dismissive of her family to like talk to Bartice. But like you have a family like Nancy's, which I have experience has taught you that if you don't get them out of the situation, they'll escalate it way beyond like what's healthy for everyone there. But I do feel like Nancy, like she, like I totally understand that. And I could see how like, I can see that they could be overbearing, but what we saw, like in the after the altar, was actually the family, especially the actually no, the mother was quite overbearing. I was quite surprised that the brother was quite calm, like was a lot calmer than he was at the wedding. And I think it's because Bartis wasn't there, and he genuinely cares for his sister. But Nancy is clearly someone who gets taken for a mug because okay, this guy just leaves you at the altar in front of your family, like, and it was so unnecessary. And then you continue to be friends with him. Why? Bartice doesn't want to be a bad guy. I think what happens, because what she says is that basically he wanted to still be friends and like maybe rekindle things. But then she saw on like his Instagram or something like him hanging out with other girls or whatever. And that's like what prompted her to be like, what the heck? It's over. So I'm thinking like he thought like, oh, let's just be friends and then think anything of it. Like as far as um that it might be emotionally hurtful for someone who is really in love with you for to see you just like outliving your life after you were allegedly engaged to be married. So I think Nancy was right to put the boundary and should have put the boundary in place because like, I don't think she realized like how disingenuous Bartice was being, right? Because he just doesn't want to be a bad guy. So I feel like he just sort of, he's trying to let her down, but like not... Be the bad guy, yeah. Yeah. And so then she's like keeping hope alive in a way that she shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then just that whole like almost fixation on Raven was just really uncomfortable to watch. 
Yeah, that was wild. Like, because Raven was like, I think Raven saw him was like, eh. like, and he was yeah. so. <laughs> and even like Raven was like, at one point, love is like, it's like, oh, you know, and he was like, yeah, you know, me and you walking into a club, like, people were looking at us, and she was like, love is blind. Like, that's like reminding him why they were there. Like, and there was just no, given that when he was talking, like, Raven was doing push ups because he was so boring, or he thought, or she found him so boring. And he's still blabbing on at her at the pool when they actually see each other. And she's still like, we've got nothing to talk about. I don't know what I'd have to say to you. Like, how do you not get that? So I've heard on the new show Perfect Match, and I haven't watched it yet, that he's like similarly shallow. He's on there. Yeah, he's on the new. Really? Yeah. So like. Oh, no. On the new Netflix show. I know. So like they put like the craziest people from the past seasons on this new show. So they have Shane from season two and Bartise from. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Bug-eyed Gary Busey guy. That's like the waste bin. And Bartiz from the last season and that like same thing where he just seems like he's massively insecure. So like wants to be part of the cool crowd. And then when you look at his friend group, like his friend groups are so clearly nerds that it's like, oh, okay. So he's kind of <laughs> like, he's not really a hot boy, but like he wants to be a hot boy. So he's trying to like build his like hot boy group, you know, but it's like, it's not working because he's so uh, like thirsty to be, you know, part of the cool crowd. And, like, it's turning off people, especially someone like Raven, who's maybe, like, used to being judged by her looks to a certain extent and wanted to get away from that whole thing so she could have a genuine connection. Like, for someone like Bartiz to be like, we should go to the bar together and look hot. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like that's, like, the opposite of what I want that. in my life right now, you know? But for him, like, he's, like, he wants to get, like, the attention that Raven gets. Like, he ne- he wants that validation. He's in that validation phase that he can't like connect with people because he's trying to get validation from certain people based on how they look. And that's not going to change anytime soon. And definitely not with Nancy. So hopefully he'll mature after it. Let's hopefully. But like Nancy, she's not like, she's not going to feed his ego in that way. Yeah. Which is a shame. But yeah. I've dated guys like Bartiz. So. (laughs) (laughs) What? Sorry. Putting that out there. So I've dated guys like Bartiz. So just putting that. Like, guys, you're like, because you know what happens? And, like, similar to SK, like, then they start nitpicking everything you are and everything you do. Because, like, it's all about their image at that point. Yeah. Moving on to Matt and Colleen. Oh, my gosh. Like, Matt was just... I felt like Colleen was shrinking in front of our eyes as the season, as the episodes went on due to her relationship with Matt. It was very, it was quite terrifying to watch that and i'm surprised that matt wasn't called out more for his temper and the way he treated colleen at the reunion especially when it came out that they're still not living together which is probably for colleen's sake probably a good thing even though they did get married in the end so they're not living together no they're not living together i think the relationship on colleen's end is done but they're waiting probably until they're not contractually obligated to stay married anymore to divorce. Because I don't know, when I saw their interactions, she's standing up for herself and she's putting boundaries, but it doesn't look like she's in love with him. It's looked like she's tolerating him. He looks clueless. <laughs> or perhaps like the rose-colored glasses have come off and she's realized, actually, I'm this guy's an incel and I need to get out because, yeah, from the get-go, their relationship was just, yeah, Matt's got issues. <laughs> um, serious issues. So I read that they are, if they stay married for a year, the show pays for the divorce. 
So like for the season two really? couples, they all got divorced at the one year mark. Yep, yep, yep. So like they're not technically contractually obligated not to get divorced, but if they want to get paid <laughs> for it, yeah, or something like that. If they want to get paid for it, then you, they have to stay married for like a certain amount of time. So I'm not surprised that they don't live together because I don't think Colleen's like serious about actually staying married to Matt. And like like you said, the rose color glasses have come off and she was super like thirsty and desperate. Like if I remember, because like she kept trying to fall in love with these guys and get them to like choose her. And she got chose by like a crazy person or at least a, a deeply emotionally damaged man and entitled man. Yeah. I get played. <laughs> I can remember when it was I need to get played. I was like, Matt, who is playing you really? What's scary to me, though, is like she's going to try to leave and like see, he doesn't seem like he's getting that she's pulling away. Oh, of course not. Of, absolutely not. That's what's scary to me. So I'm like, I'm scared for her when she actually does try to leave because he's going to feel blindsided. Especially if he then pulls and then he'll pull the emotional guilt tripping as well, because I think Colleen's got people pleasing tendency, she said, but it comes out in her behavior as well. And that she doesn't really like to rock the boat or upsets people. So I can fully see him if she tries to leave him basically, you know, making out like she is then the source of all his insecurities and problems, because that's the thing with getting into relationships with these men who carry baggage is that the thing about blame is that it goes to the nearest person. So he might have initially blamed his ex, but then he'll blame the woman, that the next woman that he's with, and then the next woman. And then some stuff came out about Matt's like, marriage to his ex, which I thought was quite intrusive, actually, so I won't repeat it. But basically that apparently it wasn't the way that it seemed, the way he reported it. So there's that too. So thoughts and prayers with Colleen, honestly, because I think she does deserve better. And I actually feel like her and Cole might have actually been a decent match. Oh no, I reckon they've just been like, like just pissheads, just party. It would have just ended in disaster. Like, oh my gosh, like he went to a, we went to a party and we end, and they end up leaving with different people or like snogging someone else's face off. Like, I just don't think it would be a, that. No, that wouldn't have been a good idea. Yeah. So like, and after the altar, Cole starts flirting with Alexa's stepmom. What? What? So he's obviously drunk and like kind of flirt. Yeah, and kept making like these inappropriate comments. Yeah, but once again, like self, uh, self defending this part. Like, <laughs> I probably would have said it. Like, we're all drunk. Like, damn, you don't look like someone's dumb, mom. Like, <laughs> but then at the same time, you could argue. I, I, I wonder if that's you know, it's, I suppose it's not appropriate to say that to someone's dumb, but if you know, she's young she's young enough for that to be like oh stepmom like and she takes pride in her appearance so a guy appreciating that appearance a single guy i mean whilst it's not appropriate because you know she's married but like is that necessarily i mean it's just cold being cold though isn't it yeah i I got the impression like he was just in disbelief and like repeating himself and like drunk right (laughs) like it's like wow you're her stepmom wow (laughs) And like, this is a guy whose parents, did he say that they were like deeply, deeply religious? And, you know, so he's, they're probably very traditional. Are they like, did he say they were pastors or something like that? Like, that's completely a different world away from Alexa's family. Like, maybe even financially, like everything you see about Alexa is, because she's, like Alexa and her family, like they're quite unusual. Yeah. Like I didn't, (laughs) they don't seem like the norm in like, in many, many, by many different standards. So it's like, and if you're drunk and you're lonely because no one's really talking to you, so alcohol becomes your friend and then, you know, you start getting the, you know, the beer talk, then, you know, 
Doesn't mean that it's right, but... I feel like he's getting the Jessica treatment because Jess- Messica from season one was very similar. Where, like she gets drunk and maybe a little bit flirty, but it wasn't like... I feel like after the show, the same thing happened where the perception of Jessica and Amber switched where people started to hate Amber and then like Jessica again. Because like, it's like, there's just junk people who are maybe like socially unaware at times. And then like other people react to them with like crazed amount of maliciousness, then like ends up making people on their team. It's weird. (laughs) I think he's just this season's Messica where he's getting a bad edit. And then like, it's kind of shaking out that over time that people are a little bit more sympathetic. But he's also growing from it, or at least trying to work on himself. Same thing with Jessica. Well, yeah, so at least they've got that going for them, I guess. But yeah, I just hope that Colleen gets out sooner rather than later. And we're probably going to hear about a divorce announcement this time at some point this year. I wouldn't even be surprised if Brennan and Alexa don't stay together, to be honest. She was like a baby. (laughs) Did anyone stay together from the last season? I don't think so. I think all the couples from the last season, season two, were divorced now. Uh, Yeah, all the couples that were married are divorced and then there's only one from season one who was still together i think no there's two because amber and barnett are still together and so are lauren and oh okay cameron so there's from season one two of the couples are still together that's a low success rate <laughs> very low success rate because i think the site like again they changed the format like season two and then like try to rush people through the pods yeah they shortened it didn't they yeah yeah there is barely any like pod footage this season versus like the first season. Like the one thing that was kind of confusing and like you get whiplash is like figuring out why these people like each other. And I think that was even the title of our episode. Like I can't figure out why these people like each other because they didn't build the narrative as well as like the first season where you could see them interacting and start to like form an emotional connection. This one, it just seems these people just don't want to be kicked off. So they're just pairing up. <laughs> yeah. But I guess on to the crown of this episode and that is sk and raven i do feel like i need to strike off my previous comments about sk from the record by the way (laughs) what were the signs savannah what were the signs (laughs) so i i saw in the on the love is blind subreddit like some um nigerian reddit users that were like well i could tell he was kind of shifty but i didn't want to say anything i was kind of blindsided i have a few things i think were tells but like as an american i thought he was just a little bit like of a nigerian nerd so i didn't really i thought it was just social awkwardness but now i'm realizing it's no it's shiftiness it's like disingenuineness yeah so i just i'd say the first red flag that lara and i discussed was the fact his dad was polygamous i mean i know obviously sins of the father but that's a real thing in nigerian culture and it's not something that if, I mean, you know, specifically talking about Nigerian culture, because he's from Nigeria, but it's not something to easily dismiss if a guy or a Nigerian guy tells you that his dad was polygamous. No, I, I just feel like, you know, from, and I have the experience of dating, you know, men whose you know, families all came from polygamous homes. I just can never shake off the fact that actually, you know, you're a decent guy. I like you, you like me, but when things get tough, I just think you'll just do what you know, which is find someone else. Like, because you haven't been exposed to, like, conflict resolution. You haven't exposed, and you've been brought up in an environment where women are disposable. 
like, well, yeah, you know, things didn't work out, so I'm just going to date the next woman, the next woman, or I want that woman and this woman and this woman, and you will all stay in this house, or you'll all be in my life, and I'll be, you know, and I will tell you when you get to access parts of me. Like, I just can never trust that. I wondered about that, because I thought it seemed to me like, first, and he was talking about, like, his culture and how he wanted to be, he didn't want to follow in his father's footsteps, etc. It seems like he just doesn't want the financial obligation. They, they all say that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it seems like he wants like the best of both worlds. He wants a polygamous, polyamorous relationship style while not having to financially support all those women like his father probably did, right? Because then like he wants all the fun and no legal obligations. I mean, I thought that was SK all over. I mean, I was just like waiting, I have to say, when I first watched the first 10 episodes, I was like, and I could see this guy, I was like, oh, please don't, please don't be another one of those. And I thought, yeah, he presented himself quite well. I mean, I thought he was, you know, he kind of like kissing ass to Raven, like, you know, he didn't show any sort of, didn't come across as he had any bite to him. But he made some quite like statements that I thought were a bit odd. So at the beginning, he talks about um, the very, I remember the very first episode, he almost got quite frustrated. And it was the first time I saw like almost like a, you know, glint of like, you know, anger in him where he was talking about going on dating apps. And essentially it, it, it was, a, he implied that, you know, it only brings up essentially black women. Like he didn't want to really date. He didn't just want that. <laughs> right. It's like people judge me because of my race and they don't I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, my, like and on Tinder apps. And it's like, but then he made this big thing about, oh, I want a woman to respect my culture. And like, you know, on the one hand, it was great that, you know, you're wearing your cloth, like you're wearing your Nigerian like attire and all this stuff. But hang on. So essentially what it sounds like you want is like you want a white American who's going to understand your Nigerian culture. Bro, that doesn't really exist. Like, why? It just like, and I suppose Raven, he didn't know that Raven, I don't know, maybe he probably didn't know that Raven was what she was, but even still, it's not, you're looking for something that doesn't really exist. So of course, if you find this person, this, you know, this non-black Nigerian or non-black African or whatever he doesn't want to date, but really he wants, um, you're just going to try and make that person who you want them to be. So that is going to include like coercive and controlling behavior. Because you want someone who doesn't understand you to understand you in a way that it's not natural for them at all. Like when you could just date someone who gets your culture, but you don't want to do that. I thought that was very odd. Yeah, he doesn't want to do that. So I don't know if we did the recap of like exactly what happened with SK and Raven, like for the purposes of discussion. So Raven and SK after the show, they broke up for a little while. And it turns out like SK was seeing some other girl basically the entire time. And then they got back together and got engaged again, like which was televised by the show. And SK during that time was seeing a bunch of different women. Like he was living with Raven at one point and then like uh, flying to Europe with some other women. And one of those women exposed him on TikTok and then said like she was only going to take it down for like $300,000. And then uh, some other women saw the first woman expose SK and they started exposing SK and saying that they were involved in SK and going on dates with SK while he was engaged to Raven. And then Raven at first with the first girl, she says that she believed SK when he said that like they did not date at the same time and that like uh that girl was just trying to extort him and it wasn't true so initially on tiktok she actually defended sk and then said they were going to take legal action and like stand beside him etc etc 
But then all these other girls started to come out and then the timelines started to get mismatched. And then she later went on another show and they can Nick Vial files after the share air. Yeah, that was really sad. And told the whole thing that she was like, that he was cheating on her the whole time. Here's the kicker. Here's what makes me so mad. There's two incidents that I was like, the audacity of this dude. <laughs> Maybe three. And like to the point where it was scary. So one of them was, she says that she came home, they were living together, and uh, she found underneath the sink in the back, there was like a towel that looked like it had makeup removed, like had mascara and then like foundation and stuff on it. And she asked them about it. And she's like, who the heck's towel is? And it had like hair, had blonde hair in or something like that. And she says that SK looked at her, was silent for like 20 minutes or something. And then was like, oh, I was doing, I was doing a turmeric mask. Cooking up the light. Yes. You he told me, her I was doing a turmeric mask. And that's why it looks like it has women's makeup on that makeup towel. You know, when they just go silent whilst they're just ready, they're just cooking up the lies. Yeah. Told her a freaking bald face lie. And then she also spoke about like how he would like put her down. and. Again, I've said this so many times to Lara and on the podcast, it is always the mid to below mid men who have the most... Medium ugly! <laughs> who, who have the most to say about women's looks. Like, it's always them. Every single time. And she's obviously gorgeous. I'm like, is he doing that to neg her? Or is it because, like, most of the other women... Actually, all the other women he cheated on Raven with were white, white. Whereas, like, Raven is apparently biracial. That it's, like, he wants someone white, but and she's not white enough for him. So then, like, he's negging everything she does and the way she looks and saying, I don't like the way you look. And also, like, that defeats the... Pre- you met her on Love is Blind. Like, I feel like there's so many people that just forgot the premise of... The, I know it's, the show has, at this point, done, been, been done, but it's, like, I don't understand. It's like when people go all brand new on you. Like, why are you going all brand new? You know that she's a yoga instructor. You know that she's quite an attractive lady. You know that she wears makeup. Why are you suddenly telling her not to do it? Like, why are you trying to do that? I think he's just negging her because he's a douchebag. Like, he was just basically trying to bring her self-esteem down a notch because he's manipulative and covertly... He Like, he realizes... Like, I think it's all him trying to, like, covertly control the women around him. And I wonder if that's just, like tactics he probably picked up from his dad because i don't know how you manage a household full of multiple wives but i have to imagine like you have to kind of like keep them in check in some kind of way and that's probably the way well yeah you develop a cult of personality don't you you make everything about you and they all worship you so and they're all competing there's a competition and they're all competing for your time and your resources and you know there's a lot of like infighting as well and it isn't all like strictly harmonious too there's a lot of infighting but just the polygamist just tends to just sit back and just not really do anything about it these are the open polygamists by the way you also have like secret polygamists in nigeria as well yeah so before it raven like completely knew everything that happened sk apparently locked himself in a van with the producers of the show and begged them not to air the engagement scene from after the altar because like he knew all his lies <gasps> Oh my god yes that's why i'm like he's scary he crossed over from like kind of a tool bag to like kind of like this is all like it looks like he laid the groundwork to be this like kind of manipulative situation from the beginning so he knew he was going to get caught up in his lies so he went to the producers and basically like 
was trying to like for uh, hours like talk them down from airing after the altar and like was trying not to let one of the producers leave like they couldn't find him for set like he had basically was trying to bully the producer and they said that there were certain things that like i guess production thought raven was in on that that like they didn't want to air the engagement after an altar and she says no so like she didn't know any of this kind of thing so behind the scenes sk was like covertly trying to clean up his mess manipulate all these women you know he contacted these women who were coming forward and like was trying to tell them like bs timelines and some of those women and, like posted their chats on back on TikTok again of like SK trying to like beg them to take stuff down and act like they were act like the timelines are off and all this kind of stuff which wasn't true. So he's manipulative. Like he's really manipulative. I think he was negging her and like it just is so disappointing. I'm trying to think of like if I think you were spot on Lara were like the beginning where he was like crying because no one wants to date him because he feels like that he's being judged by his culture or his race or whatever which okay fair enough it's not fun to be like the recipient of racism like but i feel like men rarely like are running away from their culture because it's not feminist enough you know like it's usually because they feel like there's some kind of like perceived benefit in another culture they're not gonna get and i also feel like they don't leave that entitlement anywhere you know they don't like get rid of that entitlement i don't think of like being in a culture where he probably feels like he has the right to multiple women, never being honest with them, manipulating situations to his benefit, getting his ego stroked, despite being medium ugly. So <laughs> he's medium ugly, right? Like I feel like he's smack dab medium ugly. Maybe in the US standards. I mean, we have plenty of Nigerian people here and I he's not the most handsome Nigerian person I know versus like period. Like <laughs> He's just like slap bang, like average, like the definition, like so average, so average that I suppose it could be so average that I'd be like, no, this is the unattractingly average. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so I'm like, to me, like Nigerian, like handsome royalty is like Yana Satentakumpo and his brothers. That's like Yana Satentakumpo that Google him if you haven't. The the NBA player from the Bucks. I think he is so fine. Like... <laughs> He was Nigerian Greek, like his family moved to immigrate here. Okay, so he's half Greek then, okay. No, 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 he's, he's full Nigerian. He just, oh. his family moved to Greece, so they changed their name to a Greek name. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. I see, I see, I see. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, but he like, he's my, I like him. Um, but, and, <laughs> yeah. but okay, but he's handsome, right? Like Anthony Joshua as well. Is he full Nigerian? Yes. He initially was going to compete for Nigeria, then switched to Britain. Yeah, he's full Nigerian, like 100%. And see Joshua, yeah. So like Nigerian celebrities. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> like, so I can give you like more handsome guys, like who are way more handsome and like... <laughs> yeah, SK's not winning any hottie, hottie of the year awards. Like Even by Nigerian standards, like he'd be overlooked. That's what I was saying. I feel like he's medium ugly by Nigerian standards. <laughs> by any standard, he's just not like at all... I mean, not that, you know, even if he was much, much better looking, it doesn't give him any that would make it what, it, what he's done okay. But it's always the way, though, isn't it? People who have just got no biz, like, business, it's almost like, well, yeah, you might warrant a girlfriend, but that's about it. You don't warrant being a douchebag. You're not that good looking. That's why I think he's, he's the one to watch out for. And I've said this before, that medium ugly men are sometimes the worst because they have a deep-seated resentment towards women because they don't always, like, inspire initial attraction so they get by being like really manipulative and negging women so i feel like even without the like polygamous background he'd probably be that way just because he's medium ugly so like that was my point like 
it's often not the really hot guys that you should watch out for. It's like these guys who are super mid because they have a chip on their shoulder with women, which was displayed early on in the show where he was talking about he's crying about being discriminated against. And so then they want attention. So they try to give women the boyfriend treatment or present themselves like a good guy, etc. And then like they do all this covert stuff to like undermine women and like put them in their place because they're deep seatedly. I don't even know if it's insecurity so much if it's like maybe it's insecurity because they want to show off to other guys, but also because they want to like control and manipulate women for their ego purposes because they know. I don't know. I think they resent just not being like attractive, attractive. And it's just all entitlement, isn't it? They've just been told maybe that by their mothers or people around them their whole lives that like, yeah, women are going to come and you're just going to be able to pick and choose. And then they don't realize that they can't pick and choose. It's a competition. You know, it's not like a, it's not a when, it's an if. And just because you decide that, you know, Marilyn Monroe is the only kind of woman you'll go for, like she has to also want you. And they just take it quite badly that they're not wanted by their desired folk. Um, and often it is these like very average people who just refuse to come down from wherever, like, just find your level, like, find your level. Just accept your limitations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Box in your weight class. <laughs> it's okay. Trying to play in the varsity leagues, but you're JV through yeah. and through. <laughs> You know Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? Like, it's not <laughs> happening for you. I need to find this guy. Okay, it's spelled, okay, I'll spell it G-I-A-N-N-I-S. Ah. Giannis and then A-N-T-E. Okay, just put Giannis M-B-A Bucks. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to spell his last name. It's like really- And his name was Adetokounmpo. Okay, yeah, definite Yoruba. That was his original name. Why did they get rid of the name? I don't get it. I think maybe just to blend in when they moved to Greek. His family moved to Greece and then they like, but you know, he's like... Look at those arms. I know, right? Okay, so I was like, you're not telling me in a world where Giannis Antetokounmpo exists that... SK is like handsome. You know what I mean? Like he's not prime. He's not prime Nigerian beef, right? <laughs> yeah, but Yanis Atentacumbo is like a genetic anomaly in Lagos. Sorry. <laughs> he's not like most men in Lagos. Let's be real. He has three brothers, but no, he, yeah, he's three brothers. Yeah, but I can see it. No, I can see. I can see this guy's Nigerian. I can see it. I can see he's Nigerian, but he doesn't look like your typical Nigerian man. He just doesn't look like SK, no. <laughs> and I just think SK has a very t- just a very typical Nigerian look. He's got a very traditional look. Yeah, he does like a traditional like average Nigerian. It's not like a like a traditional like good looking Nigerian look. Two of his brothers are in the NBA too. So Google Giannis NBA brothers. Bloody hell! His brothers are fucking handsome as well. These are definite. Yeah, these are. They're like stupid handsome. Like <laughs> imagine having three sons in the NBA. I know his parents are his parents are fucking loaded. What I love about him, though, is, like, they grew up super poor. Like, he has this whole... Like, they used to sell, like, bootleg watches and stuff. So, like, he had a movie come out about him and his brothers, like, uh, growing up poor in Greece and then eventually making it to the NBA. It's actually pretty cute. I'm like, this to me is, like, prime Nigerian cut beef. I don't... Like, so when I look at SK, I'm like, nah, It's, like, secondary market. <laughs> like, secondary market, like, like uh, garbage-fed <laughs> pork, maybe. <laughs> like... <laughs> savage <laughs> but the thing is though the thing is as well i really liked sk's mom and i wonder was she on in, in on it as well i really liked her no i don't think so at all 
She was so pure-hearted. Actually, everything that we've been saying, I feel bad because of the mother, because the mother was actually really sweet. But how could she not know her son was in a whole relationship? How could she not know? But a lot of the time, mothers are to, to do with the reason why their sons end up the way they do. You know, even like, I don't know how, how, where her position was in the whole polygamy thing. But, you know, did she choose to stay in it? Did she marry a guy who had like four wives, four? Like, you know. So he must be wealthy, right? Like he must come from money. Yeah, but we also need to remember as well, I was speaking to mum about this and she was saying how back when, so I was talking to mum about this and she was saying how when, you know, women of SK's mum's generation, they often entered into, you know, polygamous arrangements, not necessarily because they wanted to, but to escape from poverty as that was a route out. So if you had, generally speaking, guys who are polygamous tend to have a bit more money, generally, not always. So they just saw it as a way out. It wasn't really like a love match thing. It was more just this guy has shown he can take care of a family. So you should go and have a family with him as well because he'll take care of you too, sort of thing. Almost like he's done a test run and it's been okay. So off you go and do the same thing, sort of thing. But that's becoming less popular nowadays in Nigeria, thankfully. Well, yeah, and the guy often has, yeah, but even back then, the guy's, yeah, they'd have the money, like, if you were the third, but then the money would finish by the ninth wife and the, you know, 27th <laughs> kid. True, true. And to be fair, they would always have a favoured family. So it wasn't like they treated all their kids equally. There'd be one family that had the money. Well, I feel like they always went back to the first one because these women would get progressively younger. And at some point, if you're like a 64-year-old and you've got like a, you know, 28-year-old as a wife, you're just going to think differently. Like, so they always go back to the first one. It's just a shit show. All the children end up traumatized in some way. They're all encouraged not to like each other. And then they, like, someone dies and they all in, they all share a space and they're like, oh, actually, you're all right. But they've just been coached by the mothers not to like each other. You know, I think it's not even organized. And some, I mean, there, there are a few, there are, there, I have heard of stories where like the polygamy is done and it's very, very organized and it brings an order to what is otherwise typically very chaotic and traumatic. But I just, like most men don't do it, don't follow that. And even then you have to kind of raise your children or your, you know, your first wife also has to be willing to follow that order. So it's just a bad idea. So we have that in the United States and it's called being an irresponsible fuckboy that doesn't use condoms. <laughs> and so there's guys out here in the States that have like nine, 10, 11 kids by like four or five different women, six, seven, eight different women. And then when the guy dies, the people are fighting over their seat. Because that happened to like James Brown, DMX when they died. Yeah, it did. Is it, is it Ray Charles as well? Uh, I don't know how many children Ray Charles has, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He had, damn, he had 12 kids. Yeah, I guess he did too. Yeah, Ray Charles too. He had 12 children. So yeah, like, so we have like very similar thing, except there's no legal obligation outside of child support. But even then, like the child support well can dry up. There's a really famous like episode. Do you guys have like a Yandla Fix My Life in the UK? No, but we you can watch it. I've, we've watched. You've heard of it. Yeah, we've heard of it, definitely. So there's like an episode with like a guy that had 36 kids. And this is like a poor kit guy. And she made him hold like 36 baby dolls to represent each of his children he wasn't taking care of. But like, there's just like, due to poverty, lack of education, no, not a lot of um, sex, I would say sex education or access to contraception, etc. Like, there was a time where these guys are just like sperminating people. 
Oh my god. And very similar things. So it's it's a weird thing because sometimes that de facto happens in the US. Nick Cannons. Oh god, Nick okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Cannon. <laughs> I'm just kind of embarrassed of like American men. Like <laughs> there's Elon Musk. Elon Musk and um Jack Nicholson has like twelve kids too. Hang on. Elon Musk has more than one kid. Oh my god, he has a ton of kids. He has like kids by each of his wives and girlfriends. He has like he had random twins like two years ago. I thought that one was the one with the like with the algebra name. That was it. That was with Grimes. No. Oh gr- no, no, that was his youngest, like was his his like youngest one. He's got a, a child who who doesn't speak to him anymore because they're trans and they've like publicly like cut him off. So he's got like ten kids. Elon Musk has got ten kids. Who I just mentioned someone else who had like a bunch of kids. I, it wasn't it wasn't Nick Cannon, but someone else like DMX had a bajillion kids as well. Yeah, yeah. he had seventeen kids. He had seventeen. He has something like seventeen. Yeah, yeah. He has a lot like teens, like mid late teens. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he had like seventeen kids, and I remember thinking like because it came out recently that he was in love with Aaliyah, and I'm just like, by then he'd had like ten kids, and she was barely twenty. Like, why would she want you in your raggedy dick? Yeah. <laughs> And your little village. Raggedy disease dick. I kind of feel like Lalia, <laughs> like, dick. it feels like every guy that came across Lalia just was in love with her. And it was so inappropriate because they were all like 10 plus years older than her. Agreed. And they came into contact with her when she was a teenager and when she was underage. Like everyone has cancelled and, you know, everyone has like, R. Kelly's exactly where he needs to be. Like whatever you think of him and his music or whatever. However, like there were men of his similar age. So like Timberland and DNA. All these people, Jay-Z. Who were circling. Who were like literally circling like vultures. It was like a rush to get her. Who's going to get her? And it was Dame Dash that got her. Like, and it's just, this is really not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. And it's just, okay, yeah. We, I digress. Music industry is predatory. It's just it's crappy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, don't be having 50, 11 kids. Moral is <laughs> No. Men are trash. And don't get with a guy who has 50, 11 kids either. And it sounds horrible because for every guy, I think that every, I don't know how many men, there'll be one guy who's like, I'm never going to do it and actually never does it, right? But I just kind of feel there needs to be more of a social consequence that women can collectively bestow on men who make poor choices to actually to get men to stop doing things. So like, if you knew as a man that if I go and have, you know, 15 children by nine different women, it's actually going to lower the chances that my sons are going to have get, get partnered because they'll run away because women will run away from them. Like maybe that might start to change the behavior. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it probably won't, but I don't know. I just feel like that's what we can do. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's got to be more consequences. It's just like, that's part of the work of FDS, enforcing consequences, changing narratives. And they're not going to be pretty, and it means that... Empowering lives. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, Love is Blind was another disappointing season to wrap up. I think they've got season... I think there's a UK one, I want to say, coming out soon. Yeah, I know. It's going to be your side of the pond. To be fair, that generally speaking, though, reality TV shows in the UK, they're not built the same as the US ones in that there's a lot less drama. It's a different kind of drama, but it tends to be a lot more, like, low-key, so... If you're looking for like the explosive fights and stuff, it doesn't really happen on British TV because we just don't really respond to that. No. 
I mean, it might on something like that. It depends on what type of person they attract on the show. Yeah, but yeah, but it's not as sensationalized as like the US one. It isn't as sensationalized. Like if you think of like Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay and he's like cussing and swearing. <laughs> If you watch the UK version, he's totally different. Like, he's very... He doesn't shout. He doesn't shout at all. He doesn't shout at all. For some reason, British people coming to curse out Americans is a very popular genre here in the States. Yes, you guys seem to love it. Because, like, nanny... Like, nanny 911, same thing. Like, (laughs) send Brits over to curse out random Americans. Gold. Reality TV gold. Like... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so even shows like The Apprentice with, like, Donald Trump and... And like Lord Alan Sugar, even though there is drama in the UK one, it's totally different. It's not like that. And like, is it Shark Tank? It isn't the same. Do you guys call dra- Dragon's Den? Yeah, like Dragon's Den is so, it's very serious. It's very serious business. There's none of this sort of, it's not like reality TV. And the people on the UK show, like they're like proper business people in that. It seems like in the US, it's more like they're, they were business people, but then they morphed into reality TV show stars. But whereas in the UK version, they remain business people. Like some of them have no social skills still, like Duncan Bannatyne's been cancelled several times for telling people to fuck off on social media like a 14-year-old. Like they're just not like celebrities in that sense. So it'll be interesting to see what the love is blind so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Love is Blind UK version is like and to do a comparison between the two. It'd be uglier dudes for sure, apparently. Oh yeah, we won't know this. So didn't we? How like like British men are just like compared to American men of, on the equivalent shows, it's like an American guy might be like a nine. The British equivalent is like a five or a six. Yeah, bad Bill. <laughs> All right, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> That's our show. Check us out on the website if you want to discuss this episode on the femaledatingstrategy.com, as well as our weekly bonus content and our Discord and merchandise on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Also follow us on Twitter at femdastrat and follow us on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, Queens, and for all you discount aftermarket garbage-fed pork scrotes. Die mad. See y'all next week. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>